I'm James Jacobson in Maui, Hawaii. And I'm Caroline Winter in Adelaide, Australia. Welcome to Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs. In today's episode, Shaking It Off, how dogs are the ultimate drying machines and why engineers think it's miraculous. We'll also have the latest hound headlines and in our latest Dog Lovers Live discovery, the podcast sharing stories on how the love of a dog is changing lives and the world. So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup and let's take a walk. We've got a lot to talk about on today's episode of Dog Edition. Hey Pepper, want to go for a walk? So it is very, very, very hot here in Maui, Hawaii, and uh, and our air conditioning is broken, which is a great way to get into our hydrant section. I don't know how you're going with that air conditioning, Jim. Oh, air conditioning, yes, because down under it is not that warm this quote-unquote summer, is it? No, not at the moment. It's it's pretty chilly. I'd send you some cooler weather if I could, but I couldn't get through an Australian summer without an air conditioner, I've got to say. It is tough, and the humidity is high, and then we are trying to record things, you know, and it's, it's not so great when the windows are open. So if you hear little birds outside, <laughs> they're not sound effects. They're real. <laughs> but it has also made me think of how our dogs are so adaptable because... Kanga, who is my heart dog, is sleeping next to me at night with her belly up in the air all the time. And sometimes, you know, in colder months or when the air conditioning's on, because it never gets terribly cold here, she does that, but not as frequently as she does it now. So it got me to start doing some research about why do dogs sleep on their back? I have wondered that. Harvey does it all the time. I thought it's just because he was being cute and playful. Well, it is. It's two reasons. It's thermoregulation and cute, playful, and indicative of the fact that the dog trusts and loves you. Because there's a heat exchange that's going on through their paws. That's where they let a lot of the heat out. So obviously putting those up in the air is helpful. Also, the fur is really thin on the belly and the paws contain sweat glands. So that helps cool them down. And as you said, it's kind of a vulnerable position for those dogs to be that way. And that actually has evolved from dogs in the wild when they were wolves. Because as we look at wolf behavior, wolves often use that position to indicate to other wolves that, you know, are aggressors that, hey, I'm peaceful and and I'm harmless. And so the fact that they do that with us is also suggesting, hey, they trust us because it's extremely vulnerable. That's really interesting. So I wonder, obviously, we're dog lovers and our dogs are everything, but I wonder for dogs in households or other places, if they do do that or if if they don't feel comfortable or they don't feel safe, if that's not a position that they would take easily. Even if they're really hot? I don't think so. I think it's both of those things. But you know what? We are having so many amazing dog behaviorists on this show and on other shows on Dog Podcast Network will ask them. I think so. So just tell me, because obviously your dogs are trying to cool themselves down. What else do you do to help them do that when it's really hot? Well, we, we decide to give them water once a week. So that they can, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so generous. We make sure they have water all over. And I throw an ice cube in. And then also, you know, because it cools them down. And then they are less likely to complain about bath time because they know that, hey, that's kind of a, a nice thing too. 
Ah, I hadn't actually thought of that. Harvey's not a fan of bath time, but I wonder if in, even when it's hot. Yeah, half, that's half. no, that's a really good point. I actually haven't looked at the difference between the seasons as to when we get him in. I mean, in winter, who wants to get in any sort of water right. unless it's scorching hot? But I'll have to look through through summer if he's happier to be, yeah, hosed off, so to speak. <laughs> wow, that's very cool. Well, you've um, solved a couple of mysteries for me. Now I know why Harvey does that. Even in the heat, because I think we have the heater turned up at the moment and he gets really hot. So he goes and sits on the stairs where it's much cooler. Mm, so he is thermoregulating. He is thermoregulating, which I, you know, he's my hot water bottle. So I'd rather he didn't. I'd rather he stayed and kept me warm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So look, I have something I really need to talk about. 99.9% of the time, having a dog is a dream. Right. But in the spirit of fairness and being whole, I need to talk about that other 0.1 of a percent. And this isn't going to be pretty, I'm sorry, but let's face it, who never is? Mm. No, no. But it's also one of those things that connects all dog lovers because we have an intimate relationship with picking up the poo. Yes, I had no idea that this existed. We need some kind of Facebook page. So let's talk about that. Everywhere in the world, bad dog owners not picking up their poo Mm. is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. So I came across a story out of Israel of all places and a city council there has brought in a new law effectively where they are capturing the DNA of poo that's been left behind and they've got it in a database no. and they are now allowed to track back. It's been passed. They are now allowed to track back to bad dog owners and find them for not picking up. What do you think of that? I am massively interested in thinking, well, I'm glad that doesn't always happen because sometimes my dog poos at a place that I can't really get to all the way down a hill. But I don't think they would do DNA tracking on that. That is really cool. And also someone has way too much time on their hand or they have such a big, serious situation that they have to deal with it. Well, that's exactly what it is. So the pandemic, there's a rise in dogs. Mm -hmm. There's a rise in working from home and walking locally. And they've seen exactly that, a rise in the amount of that's been left behind on paths. So that's really interesting. How do they collect the DNA and associate it with, oh, that's Mr. Jones's dog? Yeah, so they're currently putting the database together. And the other thing is that, and this must be something over there, that all pet licenses are set to expire in six months. So it must be like a, a regulated time when you register your dog. Anyone now applying for a new one will have to submit dog's genetic information before it's approved. So you have to end up in the database. I love it. So if you want a dog license, a dog tag, whatever to be legal, Mm. you got to submit a little bit of poo. I know. It's really interesting. Wow. That is fascinating. We were talking about it on our dog walk just the other day. I mean, as responsible dog owners, you do the right thing. If you don't do the right thing, well, that means that for dog owners who, you know, walk past and see other people have done the wrong thing, that's going to make them happy. But more importantly, that's got to be good news for non-dog owners as well. You know, there's nothing worse when you don't have a dog and that's, you know, what you what you see in front of you on your morning walk. I totally agree. I, I hope this takes hold other places, especially Paris. I, I love Paris and can't wait to be able to travel back to Paris. But one of the things about Paris is they don't pick up after their dogs very well. So very, very smart and uh, a good way of being compliant. And I wonder what happens when the, the doggy poo police knock on your door and summon you or, or give you a fine that 
that's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I, I suspect it'll probably be a hefty fine too. I don't know about you over there, but in Australia at the moment, we get fined for not picking up. It's a couple of hundred dollars. But actually in Melbourne, yeah, in Melbourne, in Victoria, you can be fined $200 for not carrying poo bags. So it's one step back. Really? Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough, wow, right? Wow, not even having the bag with you. Well, I think you guys in Australia are very creative about these fines to encourage good behavior, evidently when picking up poo or even voting. If you don't vote, you actually have to pay, right? Yep, you get fined. So yep. it's... um. I think it's a very clever use of <laughs> financial penalties <laughs> to incentivize good behavior. You're listening to Dog Edition, where we have cleaned up after our dogs. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. The green, grassy, beef liver spiked smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpup traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. Does it roll back time? Of course not. Not really. But it helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day. Because every day, I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. And Pamela Lawrence, over to you for this next story. Thank you, Caro. Jim, when your dogs get wet from rain or, you know, swimming in the ocean or a bath, they shake. Right? They t- totally shake. And it's like really, really quick. <laughs> <laughs> and messy. Well, David Who. And messy. And messy. Well, David Who, professor of mechanical engineering and biology at Georgia Tech, gave me a science lesson on the wet dog shake. I want to kick off this segment with a little experiment. Are, are you, can you be my guinea pig, so to speak? <laughs> I will be your guinea pig, but we're remote. So, yes, let's okay, do it. Okay, you ready? All right. Okay. I'm going to ask you to shake your head twice as fast as you can, but it has to be within one second. Shake my head. Try and shake it. Watch out for your headphones. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, my headphones. Okay. Hold yeah, your that, headphones that, so they don't fly I'm out. getting a headache. <laughs> How'd you feel? <laughs> a little dizzy. Uh, you know, like my headphones are shaking back and forth. That's, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, David who? As you know, humans, um, we don't have that much fur anymore, at least most of us. And- we don't, uh, can't shake. In fact, if you try to shake your head 
uh, you, the best you can get is twice per second, and you will not be able to achieve anything like a dog. You'll get really dizzy and sick. But dogs, on the other hand, are experts at shaking, especially when they're wet. Yeah, the dog shake, um, you know, to us it kind of seems like maybe annoying or kind of cute when they come in and uh, drench us. Um, but in terms of evolution, it's something that absolutely had to evolve for them to survive. How animals have adapted and evolved their mechanics can lead to discoveries and inventions that will improve the lives of us humans. So David and a team of researchers set out to study the wet dog shake. To understand how dogs are so effective at shaking off water, um, we did this, what we call a comparative approach. We go to the Atlanta Zoo and we measured... Um, around 33 different animals, um, not just dogs, but, um, you know, rats, mice, guinea, guinea pigs, pigs, tigers, lions, pandas, all the way up uh, to understand all these animals that have fur, how do they, how do they um, get dry? One thing David Hu and his research team discovered is that all of these animals shake in the same way. They basically stand on these four legs and they sh- rotate their bodies back and forth. They can shake off the water um, in fractions of a second. Using a high-speed camera to capture the shake, they determined that dogs can get rid of 70% of the water trapped in their fur in four seconds. Woof. It's fast. It's it's an amazing number. Losing 70% of your water in four seconds is really good. You know, if you put your laundry uh, in the washing machine and then uh, you come out four seconds later, it's pretty much the same To lose a comparable amount of water as dogs, you'd have to spin that laundry dry for 30 to 40 minutes. It takes a lot of force for dogs to achieve this. Think of it this way. The Earth has a pretty high gravity, and if you were to get in a car crash, for example, the number of Gs or the acceleration that you'd feel due to the force of gravity is about four to eight times Earth's gravity, the G-force. Now, when a dog is shaking, it's 20 to 50 times Earth's gravity. It's a huge, huge amount of force. Um, and it could potentially damage the animals, actually, if they're not really careful. So we all notice that they're closing their eyes shut really tightly um, because it's actually substantial of forces on their soft body parts. Mm. My dogs have buggy eyes, so now that concerns me. And I never knew that. I mean, I know that they close their eyes. I didn't know that all dogs do. That's actually so cool. But to put this in perspective, the human limit for the amount of acceleration you can get is around 12 to 15 times Earth's gravity. Once you get above that, then uh, your eyes actually start detaching from your retinas. Um, So it's actually kind of a mystery how the dogs actually don't hurt themselves when they're shaking, shaking that quickly. I mean, they do seem a little bit dizzy sometimes if they've shaken that fast. I'm sure their brains are just rattling around in there. And to achieve the same amount of force as the big dogs, small dogs, like ours, have to shake a lot faster. Imagine you're on a merry-go-round. If you're in the center of the merry-go-round, you don't really feel that much force. But as you walk towards the outside, farther and farther away from the center, you get lots and lots more force. And these animals are the same way. If you're an animal and you're trying to shake off, your small dogs are really going to be working the hardest. Um, They're really going to be having to shake at higher frequencies. The bigger animals like bears and lions, they can just sort of sloppily just shake a little bit and the water's just going to just throw, throw itself off. Dogs do the wet dog shake as a survival technique. 
Think about it. You step out of the shower with one pound of water on your body, you towel off, and maybe you dry your hair. But what if you just drip dried? Water has a a really large, what's called a heat of vaporization. That means it takes, if you want to actually boil that water off or evaporate off, it takes a huge amount of energy. I mean, you just think about if you go home um, and you have wet clothes and you don't take off those clothes and you just let let the clothes try to evaporate dry. Now imagine your dog's fur is those wet clothes. Let's do the math. For a wet 60-pound dog with one pound of water in its fur. If um, you calculated, the dog would actually have to take a third of its daily calories. So an entire meal of just energy just to heat off that water if we were to just heat it out, heat it off um, without any kind of manual means. No wonder they shake. Dogs are really good at getting dry. And you know, any time that an animal is really good at something, there's an idea there that can be used. If you have a fancy camera, one of these digital cameras, if you turn it on, you might see this uh, sign that says uh, sensor cleaning. And what that's doing, it's basically doing a miniature wet dog shake inside your camera. Uh, Just spinning, uh, rotating quickly enough that any small particles get thrown off. and they're thinking about exploring these kind of mechanisms for other other kinds of devices. That is so cool because, yeah, every time I turn on my DSLR, it does that. I had no idea I had my dog to thank for that. But notice, David said, miniature wet dog shake. Oh, yeah, 50 Gs on a camera would be um, a little bit too much. The dogs can really take a beating. Um, I think if they ever had any soft, soft robots, maybe they could sustain that. But, you know, a lot of the forces that they, these animals experience, we really can't reproduce in our in our daily products. So I asked David about hairless animals. I know there are some hairless breeds of dogs and, and cats. You know, do they still have to do the wet dog shake? One of them we tested was a hairless guinea pig, which we doused with water. Uh, and we expected the shake, but it just stood there shivering with a kind of an angry look at his face. The poor guinea pig um, probably doesn't like baths very much. So sad. <laughs> So sad. Poor. poor guinea pigs. But no guinea pigs were killed in the making of that and then in that research, I'm sure. Right. Got, they got a wet a little bit. And thank you for being the guinea pig with the uh, experiment at the top of the segment. <laughs> Pleasure. David Hu's book, How to Walk on Water and Climb Up Walls, Animal Movement and the Robots of the Future, has his wet dog shake research and all sorts of other examples of how scientists have studied animal movement. And he's writing a new book due out in the next year or so. So make sure to check Check out the show notes for information on that. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. Well, who knew there were so many dog-loving podcasters and YouTubers out there, but we're all about finding and sharing some of the most entertaining and interesting shows. Jim, now you've been speaking with some really great guests from animal intuitives to purebred experts on Dog Lovers Live. That's our new live streamed show. And we're including some of the highlights here on Dog Edition during the summer to give everyone a taster. So who's your latest guest? Erin Scott is my guest. She is the host of Believe in Dog, a podcast sharing stories about how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. 
you have been podcasting since 2019. Tell us a little bit about Believe in Dog and what prompted you to start it. What prompted it was sort of a little bit of like a 40th birthday midlife crisis. <laughs> but I had also just won my battle with breast cancer. And I was having this sort of what am I going to do with the next chapter of my life? I had to kind of fight to get here. And what am I going to do? And my dogs were such a big part of me getting through cancer. I had amazing friends and family and husband support, but there's something special about the peace that your dogs can just let you be in the moment and not have to, you know, assure everybody that you're okay and, and put on a happy face. And so when I wanted to start a podcast, I was actually very fortunate that these friends of mine were doing a podcast. And so they, you know, gave me this kind of tutorial on how to do it. But, you know, through my research and through, you know, I like going to different conferences where you meet different people in the pet world. And so I like had this, you know, massive list of people that I'm always like, well, how did they get started in loving dogs? You know, did they grow up with dogs? You know, what was it that came along and kind of changed their life and made them want to, you know, leave their career to become a dog trainer or start this nonprofit or start, you know, this company for themselves? And, and I'm always curious, I guess, about where people, other people got started and what their story is. So you said you turned 40 and, and you said, well, I'll start a podcast, but it was also at the end of a breast cancer uh, journey. To what extent were your dogs helpful during the recovery process? Um, my dog Penny loves car rides. There is just nothing in the world. She will walk away from a bowl of food if she thinks she gets to go for a car ride. And so... Uh, that was kind of like a peaceful place for us is if I just needed to, you know, have some time to myself, Penny and I could hop in the car. We live, you know, this kind of a lot of rural back roads, you know, past farms and stuff. We can ride, ride by, have my, my 1990s rock music blaring. And uh, it's just like a, a peaceful time um, just for us. I can watch her, you know, head hanging out the window and see how much joy that's bringing her. And that kind of helped center me when I was getting too caught up in other things or just needed a break from being poked and prodded. <laughs> was Penny a confidant? Were, were you able to talk to Penny about things that you may never have spoken to anyone else about? I think that's a fair statement to make, yes. <laughs> what are some of the things that you confided in Penny about? You know, I guess fears or just concerns uh, that I had or even... Um, you know, I was trying to keep up working full time. I was trying to keep up all of the other things that I was doing and, and kind of not let this get to me. And, and I could tell her when it was getting to me. <laughs> and so if you had to come up with a theme or a uh, an elevator pitch for your show, how would you describe that? Uh, I always say that the love of a dog can change your life and sometimes even change the world. And those are the stories that I'm sharing. That is awesome. What do you ever get to a point where like you have to stop recording because you get so choked up in the story? Yes. Um, my friend Liz actually writes a lot about the loss of her dog and grief and dog owners going through hard times. And I know there's definitely times when we have been choked up talking about you know some of these things. And you can watch Jim's full Dog Lovers live stream with Erin Scott, host of Believe in Dog, which is part of our summer show at dogloverslive.com. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk. If you liked what you heard, why not go back and have a listen to some of our other episodes? You can also check out DPN's sister show, 
the long leash for some of my extended conversations. Next time on Dog Edition, lost your dog? Don't panic. We'll meet a pet detective who can sniff out even the toughest of cases. Until then, head on over to our website at dogedition.com where you can leave us a voicemail and share your thoughts and stories with us. Just click the little blue microphone icon that is located on the bottom right of every episode page and uh, let us know what you think. And of course, if you don't already, follow Dog Edition in your favourite podcast app. I'm Caroline Winter, your resident newshound. And I'm James Jacobson, still hot here in Hawaii, hopefully cooler next week. Thank you for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, We want to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha.